Hello again, I do want to welcome you back to Bible Studies with Russ. This is Season 2, Study Number 7. And today we'll be looking at Joshua Chapter 9. We are going to begin today in Joshua Chapter 9. You remember last time uh, we were studying the book of Joshua, we were looking at the fall of AI. Uh, last week we had that special broadcast looking at, or special uh, episode looking at the necessity of baptism. And so we're going to pick up today, getting back to our normal uh, study, looking at Joshua chapter 9. And here in verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, and the hills and, and in the lowland, and all the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it, as they heard about the fall of Ai, that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. And so we see here clearly in verses 1 and 2 that as a result of the amazing victory and the display of God's power being shown uh, through that victory, these individuals, these kings are wanting to fight with Joshua and with Israel and to do so with one accord. And so we find that they're not wanting to be their enemy. They're wanting to be their ally. Looking at verse 3, but when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from afar, from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. And so we find here these individuals are deliberately uh, making it appear as if they have come from a far land. Uh, the, they came to Joshua at his camp there in Gilgal. They told Joshua and all Israel a lot of this. That is, that they were from a far country. Uh, they were doing this in the hope of making a, a covenant. Uh, depending on what translation you're looking at, it may say a league or a, a treaty with them. Uh, but you notice there that, uh, as we're going to see here later, it's going to, they're going to describe more why they did this. But look at the uh, detail they go to. Verse 4 says they worked craftily. These guys were pretty smart um, uh, in how they did it. Not smart in their actions, but in how they did it. Uh, they uh, pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on their donkeys and wineskins torn and mended. These were done to, to make it appear like they traveled from, from a far way, from a long distance, like it's been torn and mended, these types of things as they were traveling. Uh, old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves. And all their bread and all the bread of their provisions was dry and moldy. It couldn't be fresh because then it would not be from a far country or would, would not look that way. Uh, verse 6 says, And they went to, to Joshua, to the camp at Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. And so that was their intention, to make a covenant with Joshua and with Israel. As we look here next at verse 7 uh, through verse 13, the Bible says, And the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? They want to make sure they weren't um, they weren't someone who'd been dwelling among them. They had to come from a far country in order to make a covenant with them. Uh, and but they said to Joshua, "We are your servants." And Joshua said to them, "Who are you, 
and where do you come from? And so it's interesting to look here at verse verse eight that these individuals were, uh, you know, they were already on guard. Uh, they 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 asked the question there, who are you, and where do you come from? Um, and so they're 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 not just believing them right off the bat. I mean, they do, as we're going to see later, quickly, uh, seemingly quickly believe them, but they do ask some questions. Uh, but we know what happens if you're familiar with Joshua nine. So they said to him, "From a far, from a very far country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God." So they don't actually say where they're from. They just say there in verse nine, "From a very far country." They pretend to have come along on a long journey with religious overtones. Uh, they claimed they had a great interest and respect for the name of the Lord. And they claimed to have heard of God and all things he did in Egypt. You continue reading there in verse 9. Uh, they say here, uh, Because of the name of the Lord your God, for we have heard of his fame, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at Astaroth. Therefore, our elders and, and, the, and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us. Now, you notice they're, they give certain details, right? Like they know, you know what God has done. They mention their elders, but they don't say, they never name a country in verse 11. And previously to that, they never say a country. They say from a very far country. Verse 11, uh, in the inhabitants of our country, uh, again, not listing it, uh, spoke to us saying, take provisions with you for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. And so the idea is, look, we came from this far country. We've heard about everything that God has done. Our elders and all the inhabitants of our country have told us to come to you and make a covenant with you. And then verse 12, he, 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 they, they never mentioned the name of the country, but they, they move on to show how, look, we must have come from a far land because look at our look at our what we have with us here. Verse 12, they say, this bread was of ours. We took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. Now, if this was true, then yeah, they, they, had, they had sacrificed a lot. But it's not true. <laughs> uh, verse 13, and these wineskins which were filled, which we filled were new and see they are torn. And these are our garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. So before it was in verse nine, it was a, they say a very far country. In verse 11, they say our country. Now here we are again in verse 13, uh, because of the very long journey. Again, journey from where? From our very far country. From what country? Never say it. They never say what it is. Uh, very well done. <laughs> if you're trying to deceive people, they did pretty good. But we're going to find out later that it doesn't seem to last for very long. Uh, but they're very vague. They give just enough details to try to convince them they're from, they're from a faraway place, uh, but only enough details. They're not free flowing. They don't, you know, give a whole lot of details. You hear about their elders, the quote unquote, the, the elders from, from some random country, uh, the inhabitants, again, from some random country that's just far away. And then they begin to describe how they knew, you know, everything that God has done. Or at least they did that before that. And then they say, look at, look at all our stuff. Look, we've had to have come. But they never actually mention the place. Looking here, verse 14. 
Then the men, men of Israel, and here's where a huge mistake takes place. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. And what verse 14 is telling us is they did not ask God. They didn't say, hey, you know what? Joshua did say, hey, you know what? I should, we should go pray about this and and let God uh, you know, be our guide. Uh, you know, during this time, God spoke directly to Joshua. Uh, he could have, if he, you know, went and and spoke and and prayed to him. God could have said, "They're not from a far country. This is this is who they are. This is what they're where they're from. This is what they're trying to do." Uh, but they don't ask in verse 14. Uh, the Israelites ate of their food but did not ask of the Lord. The Lord knew their motives, right? The people who were lying, and they were lying. But again, the mistake was they did not seek counsel from God, which should be a reminder to us today. You know, God doesn't speak to us directly like he did to Joshua and like so many others in the Old Testament and the few he did in the New Testament. He speaks to us through his word, and he still gives us guidance on these types of things. You know, what about these individuals you know nothing about who claim to be from a, from a far country, uh, putting yourself in Joshua? position what should we do all they've done is say all they've done is say look we we have come from our country and look at our look at our, our clothing and our, our remote bread we've had to come from a from long way is it possible for people to own old clothing and not get rid of it because they can't replace it is it possible for people to have old bread in their homes I mean, if you if you wait long enough, we all can pull out some old, old moldy bread. We all can pull out some raggedy clothes, and we can make them raggedy. We can do the same type of things these guys are doing. Uh, and again, they would have known on that if they had inquired of the Lord. Verse 15, as a result of them not inquiring, they don't know. Verse 15, so Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. The covenant was they would not kill them. And the rulers of their congregation swore to them, verse 15. And so they have been fooled. They didn't inquire of God. And now they have made a covenant with people who they, in all reality, did not know. Verse 16. And it happened at the end of three days. It only took three days. That's all it took. You know, which makes me think how so many times we need to, when we find ourselves in a new job and we think and sometimes you think well i'm going to be here forever i want to make long-term plans and and maybe we realize maybe i should wait because in three days time which isn't that long um it became uh it came out that these individuals were not from a faraway country that they were not who they said they were to be uh their clothing was not old that you know all these things were done deceitfully and so in three days that's, that's what happens at the end of three days, they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors who dwelt near them. Now, they heard this. Uh, the news was that they, there were neighbors and they dwelt among them. They, uh, this could easily happen since Gibeon was only about 18 or so miles away from Gilgal. Uh, and so, again, 18 miles is not a far country, is it? Um and so they have lied to them. They made a. They have received their covenant which they wanted, but now they're ousted. Now they're they're they're, they're are they are uh, shown for who they really are. Uh, but that puts Joshua and Israel in a tough position, because what do they do? Back in verse 15, three days before they had made a covenant that they would not kill them, and them and all the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Verse 15. 
Verse uh, 17 uh, catching back up where we, where we are here. Then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Cherbanah, uh, Cherpa, and I can't pronounce all these very, any of these very well. Beroth and Kirith Jerem. Everyone says them differently. Um, actually, if you go on to, what is that called? Uh, Blue Letter Bible. You type these in. Uh, they have a program there. Uh, that they will actually pronounce that. Uh, and so <laughs> if I had it pulled up, I might let it do it for me, but uh, I'm terrible at trying to pronounce these. But anyway, these are these cities here in verse 17. Uh, verse 18, the children of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Now, Joshua and the rulers show some poor decision-making prior to this that they they don't really inquire a whole lot about these people they just say we don't know who you are or where you came from and then they let them say we've come afar from a far country they let their vague answers get by um, and they make a covenant with them they and their covenant was they wouldn't kill them and so now they are revealed to be from you know one of their neighbors right and so in verse 16 the people of israel uh, the children of Israel did not attack them because they didn't kill them <clears throat> because of, there was the congregation that had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And so they were they were going to honor their promise and then their, their oath they had made. But something has to be done. Right? I mean, they can't just, you know, they just they, they deceive the, an entire nation. Uh, and so looking there, verse 18, and all the congregation complained against the rulers. So they're going to have to do something. Verse 19, you know, what's, what's interesting is I don't remember all the details about why they had to come from a far country. Um, could have been possible that something could have been worked out. Could have been, you know, look, we, we're your neighbors. We fear you. We know who God is. Can we make some type of both? You know, I, I don't remember exactly all the details about why they had to come from a far country. Uh, they couldn't, but one of their neighbors they could not make a covenant with. Uh, you know, maybe they could have went to one of these other countries. If you go back here to verse, uh, let me back up here. Uh, you remember the kings uh, back in verses one and two? The kings who were okay. Yeah, so the kings in verse 1, all the kings who were on the side of Jordan and the hills and the lowland and all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, and unless a Hittite, Amorite, Canaanite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite heard about it, and they gathered together to fight with, with Joshua and Israel with one accord. Uh, is there a possibility they could have joined up with them? You know, again, I don't remember all the history behind all those people and all those types of things, but what did lying do to them? Yeah, kept them. They they made a covenant, but what happens? We're gonna find out. Basically, what happens? They become their slaves. Uh, here in verse 19 and following. Here, just a second. And so they, they so now the people are in position. Well, they can't kill us if they honor their oath. So what's gonna happen? So we look here at verse 19. And all the rulers stood to, to all the congregation. We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. And so they remind the congregation, look, you can't touch them. We saw that back in verse 18, because they have sworn by the Lord God of Israel, right? They're going to honor their promise. And the people are angry. We saw back in verse 18, verse 20, this we will do to them. They say, we will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because the oath which we swore to them. And so we're going to honor our oath because we don't want wrath to come upon us because we have broken our oath, right? And so what are we going to do? Verse 21, and the ruler said to them, let them live, 
But let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. And so what's going to happen? They're going to become their servants. They had promised them they wouldn't kill them, but that doesn't mean they can't make them, they, they cannot still punish them in some way. And what does he do? He basically, you know, he uses it to the profit of the people of Israel. They're going to become woodcutters and water carriers. Why? Because they have lied and deceived an entire nation uh, and its rulers. Uh, and so they're going to become their servants. Verse 22, then Joshua called for them and he spoke to them saying, why have you deceived us? So before he begins to tell them what's going to happen, he doesn't just say, this is what you've done. You know, we know the truth is now we're going to punish you. No, at first he asked them why. He says, why have you deceived us, saying, we are very far from you when you dwell near us? Now, therefore, you are cursed, and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. And so we see here, you know, we think of slaves sometimes, we think of it in the, in the wrong context. Slaves sometimes, uh, in fact, many times in the Bible is a reference to simply servants. Uh, we think about bond servants. Those are those who are uh, who are working for people who are bound to them, sometimes because of a debt. Uh, we are bond servants of Christ, as we have we have willingly become His bond servant. We are bound to serve God, bound to serve Christ. Um, but here, these slaves is really just a reference to uh, their servants, and because he, he mentions there, they shall be freed. They shall not. They, none of them shall be freed from being slaves. And he says. Woodcutters and water carriers. What are they? They're workers. That's what they are. Uh, <clears throat> now, could, slaves is not a wrong term in this context. People sometimes look at the wrong light. But here, are they slaves? Are they servants? Yes, they are. Uh, it's not like what we, what we think of commonly sometimes today where we see slaves being, that term being used. But they are their servants. They are going to work for them. Um, and But they're not going to die. Uh, they're going to be kept alive uh, because that was part of their... Uh, you know, part of the promise, part of their oath, they would not kill them. It was the whole reason for them to come because they didn't want to be killed. Um, so now we see here in verse 24, the answer to Joshua's question from back in verse 22, uh, why have you deceived us? And they, their reply in verse 24 is, so the answer Joshua said, because your servants were, were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we are very much afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. And so they say that they, that they were clearly told because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give to give you all the land and destroy all the inhabitants of the land, that is, them. And therefore, we were very much afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. Um, so the answer was that they had been told how, how the Lord had given to Israel all this land and all the inhabitants would be destroyed. Uh, this was the reason they did what they did. Uh, they were afraid for their lives. And so self-preservation was what, what they were doing here. And self-preservation is a strong and powerful law of, of nature, so to speak. And so this is why they did that. This is why they they uh, deceived them. Look at verse 25 here, though. And now, here we are in your hands. Do with us as it seems good and right to uh, to do to us. And so what they say here in verse 25, do with us whatever you want. And because the idea is it, for them is to stay alive. Uh as it turned out, he says here, we are in your hand. Verse 25, whatever seems good and right you do to us. Verse 26, 
So he, so he did to them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel because they wanted to kill them, but they couldn't because of the oath, right? But they did want to kill them. Verse 26, so they did not kill them, the children of Israel. Clearly, we can see they wanted to kill them because they all been lied to. Uh, and that day, Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord and, and, and the place which he would choose even uh, to this day. And so that is Joshua chapter 9. Uh, and we're going to stop there. In the past, we've done more to 30 minutes, but I'm trying to do this more in sections now. Uh, and so our, our programs won't always be 30 minutes. But that is going to bring us to the end there in Joshua chapter 9. So we see these individuals. They have they, they, they deceived themselves or they deceived Joshua and the people of Israel uh, because they, they knew what the promise, the command was given to Moses. Verse 24 here says, they, they, your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to do these things. And so what they do, they lie in, in an attempt to save their own lives. Now they do so in a very, no doubt, you know, they lie to do so. But now they're slaves and servants of those whom they have feared. That is Joshua and the people of Israel. So we're going to stop there today and we'll pick up next time in Joshua chapter 10. I do thank you for being here with me today on Bible Studies with Russ. This is study number 7, Joshua chapter 9. I do hope you'll join me again next time as we look at Joshua chapter 10, the occasion where the sun stands still. So thank you for being here with me and hope to see you again next time.